reveals to us the pathway. God, I thank you that it is a light unto our path. Father, that this morning this light would illuminate the things that we need to, to see in the journey ahead. Right now, I bind every contrary spirit. I bind every spirit of anxiety, every spirit of fear, every spirit that would try to divide what God has called us to rise and build. In Jesus' name, I declare incredible peace, unity, freedom, joy in the Holy Spirit over this magnificent church family. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, everyone. Go ahead and grab your seats, beautiful people. What have we done most recently? Marco, hero. We've got Pathfinders coming up. Uh, it's so many incredible things. We're truly the church that never sleeps. Sometimes, I mean, I look at our, I look at our calendar and I'm like, whoa, wow, do I have to be at all that? That's a lot. This is why we need a big team. We got a lot going on. Well, um, I taking a, a leaf out of Pastor Jürgen's book. I'm going to bring to you a fresh word this morning okay. that I got this morning. Fre fresh baked bread. I thought I'm going to try. I'm going to try that at Jürgmeister model. And I'm just going to share with you um, from what the Lord has been speaking to me about from the book of Ezra. And I'm kind of like in a little bit of defiance into our Bible in the year, just sorry. But, but I'm still reading the Bible, but just maybe not to the pattern that's been set. As long as I read the Bible. So I thought I would, I would start to read Nehemiah, a book that I really love. I felt like it has something prophetic to teach us for right now. And then I'm like, you know what? No, I'm going to read Ezra. I'm going to read the prequel to Nehemiah. And I'm so glad I did because God has spoken to me so powerfully through this. And I wanted to bring a word to you today that's going to help you not only as you build the house of the Lord, but as the house of the Lord or God, as God builds you. And Pastor Jürgen has famously said, when we work in the church, God works on us. And, and isn't that the truth? I mean, it's constant. I've been doing this for 30 years. And as the church grows and builds, God is growing and building me. And so there's going to be two different facets I want you to look at this word from today. So I'm going to do a little bit of teaching and just share parts of the story from the book of Ezra. We're going to be speaking around two particular men, Jerubbabel, great, great idea for a name there, Marissa and Sterling, Jerubbabel Pyle. I mean, that, that, he would be made for greatness. <laughs> Step aside. <laughs> and another one named Jeshua. So we're going to center on these two things. So this is a magnificent story because the story is about the rebuilding of what had been a desolated and destroyed land, that being Jerusalem. We all know that the... the the Jewish people did not heed the warnings of Jeremiah. Right. Jeremiah came in and he told them, unless you change your ways, God's going to send in a nation more powerful than you and you're going to be their slaves in a strange land for a number of years. But they're like, oh, oh, Jeremiah, stop being so negative. 
doom and gloom prophet. You're killing our vibe. And sure enough, because they didn't listen to him, exactly what he prophesied happened. And now they're in the place of rebuilding what had been destroyed. And uh, we, we pick up the story in the place where Jerubbabel and Jeshua have started, first of all, to rebuild the altar. And I, I, th- That's really beautiful to me because it speaks of the most important job of the church, and that is a place where people can find atonement. And let us never forget that. More than anything in the world, uh, people need a place where they can come and, and make atonement for their sin. The, the greatest job of the church is to be a place of atonement where they understand that Jesus died on the cross so they could be forgiven of their sins and set free and then set into their destiny. So so they've start they've already built they've built the temple. But now they're sorry they they built the altar but now they're rebuilding the temple and eventually they would rebuild the entire nation of well the entire city of Jerusalem. So I want to pick it up here. I want to talk in the micro and the macro. Um, I want to first look at Isaiah, excuse me, Ezra, chapter number three, verse ten. And I'm seeing the noteworthy author Reuben Poon up the back there. Congratulations, Reuben, on your book. Everybody, buy a copy, download a copy. Let's support him. Writing books is no easy thing. We're so proud of you, Reuben. What a man you are. All right, Ezra, chapter number three, verse ten. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments and with trumpets and the Levites, the sons of Asaph with cymbals, took their places to praise the Lord as described by David, the king of Israel. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord, he is good. His love toward Israel endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord. Give a great shout of praise to the Lord. Because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. And many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid. While many others shouted for joy, no one could distinguish the sound of the shouts of joy from the sounds of weeping because the people made so much noise and the sound was heard far away. Isn't it true? At the beginning of a work, there's always excitement and there's emotion and everybody's pumped out of their brains for the work to begin. But then things start to take a little bit of a shift in this story. And then also you're going to see your own story played out in this. So we love to see the work begin. When we give our lives on the altar, it's a beautiful moment. It's a wonderful moment. It's a moment of celebration where there's both joy and weeping. And this is what we're seeing experienced here. But it was not the end. It was just the beginning. And and the temptation for most of us is we get taken out in the middle. And so I want to talk about maybe the middle zone, being caught in the middle today. Then Now I want to read to you from Ezra chapter number 4, verses 1 to 3. Now, when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the descendants of the captivity were building the temple of the Lord God of Israel... They came to Zerubbabel and the heads of the father's houses and said to them, Let us build with you, for we seek your God as you do. And we have sacrificed to him since the days of Erisadon, king of Syria, who brought us here. But Zerubbabel and Jeshua and the rest of the heads of the father's houses of Israel said to them, You may do nothing with us to build a house for our God. Wow, somebody say savage. 
They're asking if they can help and they're being denied. You may do nothing with us to build a house for, the, for our God, but we alone will build to the Lord God of Israel as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, has commanded us. The first thought I want to bring to you, use discernment in who you allow to build with you, both in life and in the things of God. The temptation is going to be not just building with the willing, but building with the willing and the worthy. And I know that can sound kind of a little bit separatist and a little bit snooty, but it's not. Because we see unveiled in the next verses of Scripture that when these people were denied to be able to come alongside and work with Jerubbabel and uh, and Jeshua, that they, in fact, began slandering and their true intent was revealed. I want to just put it to you today, something that has served me so well in life, and that is to look with eyes of discernment as to who we allow to come in close to us. It's incredibly important because the work we're doing is so vital, and the enemy is looking for a way to come in and bring levels of division and compromise. And the truth is the people that were asking to join the work of rebuilding the temple were Samaritans. They were known for their compromise. So they did. They weren't lying. They did worship God, but they also worshiped the Baals and the Asherahs and other gods too. So it's important when we're building our area, building what God has given us to steward, to actually ask the question, who am I allowing in close? I'm, I'm very grateful that um, <clears throat> one of the, the prayers I've pray, prayed most often as we've led and built the church has been, God, give me eyes to see. Yeah. Help me discern. Yeah. And as I've done that, I've, I've invited the Holy Spirit in to help me to see what I could maybe not see with my natural eyes. Wow. And the temptation is to use, of course, when the need is great, to use people who are willing but sometimes it can be a grave error. And I'm not talking about approaching things with suspicion today. Suspicion is not from God, but discernment is. Discernment is the opposite of suspicion. Suspicion invites in fear. Suspicion invites in all kinds of conspiracies. But discernment invites the Holy Spirit and wisdom in to make the right cho choices. Who, who are you building with? If you were to do an inventory of the people that you have drawn in close... Are they truly trustworthy? Can they be trusted with the things that you have entrusted to them? Nothing divides a church or compromises a work quicker than grabbing someone because they look good on the outside. And isn't that what, what God said in the choosing of King David when King Saul was, was about to... To, to anoint David's elder brother, hey, listen, I don't see as men see. Yeah. I look at the heart. I need you to look a little bit deeper. Now, again, I'm not talking about going on a witch hunt, but I am saying in this time and this season, it's important that we deploy, just like these two men deployed, discernment in who we allow to draw in, who we allow to come in close to us, not just willing, but worthy. There are a couple of things that we need to be very careful of as we approach this. We need to, to see not just with the eye of skill, but also with the eye of uh, 
looking, looking for a level of fruit in the background, especially when you're drawing people in close to do a, a close work with you. And because the, the temptation and actually the reality of when we draw people in close is that there's a level of vulnerability there. And that should be, that should be how it is. You should be able to be vulnerable and put your guard down a little bit with those people that are closest to you. That's why here we have to be so wise and so careful and deploy discernment as to those people that we draw in close. This is what these two men did and it saved them a whole lot of trouble. And we see, like I said, in the proceeding verses that they instead became incredible adversaries and started to slander them. The second thought I want to bring is this. Expect opposition. It says this in Ezra 4.4. Then the peoples around them set out to discourage the people of Judah and make them afraid to go on building. Somebody say Coronado. They bribed officials to work against them and frustrate their plans during the entire reign of Cyrus, king of Persia, and down to the reign of Darius, king of Persia. These guys were doing everything right, and yet they still experienced opposition. Even though opposition shouldn't be something we go looking for, it is something that we're all going to experience. And I think particularly in this season where we are in an environment that is very hostile to God. Right. And the lines, the lines have been really clearly drawn. And we're experiencing it firsthand down in Coronado. And even as we try to rebuild the Eastlake campus, um, all this opposition. So, so while we don't not stand against opposition, we also should have an expectation that it's going to happen. Right. And sometimes in church situations and as you're building your team, You'll find that opposition will come now. The solution is not to lay down your arms and go, well, I guess it's not God's timing. I guess it's not God's will that we build the temple, that we take ground, that we take territory. I think we'll just wait on here and just let life happen around us. That's, that's not what these people should have done. Sadly, they let the persecution and the opposition have them put their tools down for 15 years. For 15 years, the work of God was restrained because they let the threats, the persecution, and the intimidation come against them. We're building in a climate that's not favorable. Don't expect clear conditions. When Jesus went to uh, deliver the demoniac of the, of, from Gadarenes, uh, there was a ferocious demonic storm that rose up on the way. I, we don't hear a lot about that man's testimony after he was delivered, but I imagine it was profound just because of the amount of warfare around his deliverance. So I want to say to you today, when you experience those storms, ask yourself the question, is this a storm sent by the enemy to thwart the work that God is wanting to do? I think specifically in our areas, if we could take, if we could look and steward what God has put in our hands? Like, what has God entrusted to you? Where are you experiencing persecution, opposition, and warfare? What is God asking you to do? Where have you sat back maybe in comfort instead of pushing forward and taking the ground that God has asked you to take? Opposition is a part of life, but it's not the end. It's not the final say. 
And sadly, in a lot of churches when opposition is faced, people put their, get their bat in the ball and they go home and they say, oh, well, it mustn't be God's will. I would say actually the contrary is true. When, when you experience some warfare, when you experience some pushback, when you go to Coronado and they call you every name under the sun and they're starting several blogs about how wicked and horrible we are. And that's exactly what they did in this time. They wrote a letter to the king and said, this is a wicked and rebellious city. They slandered them. They slandered them to the people. They slandered them to the king. And the truth was, they did used to be a wicked and rebellious city. So let's switch back to the building of you. One of the greatest uh, deployments that the devil will use in in opposition against you is to remind you of your past, is to actually dig up who you used to be and use intimidation and threats, like how can you, you can't do it, look who you used to be. And that's why the Bible tells us in the book of, let's see, uh, I believe it's Colossians. Yeah, it is, it's Colossians 2.14. It says, he canceled the record of charges against us and took it away, nailing it to the cross. So every time in this process of not God just not building you and, uh, sorry, building the church and building the, the department that he's entrusted you to, but as he builds you, just remember when the enemy comes in to remind you of your past and all the things you did or didn't do, that Jesus himself canceled the record of charges against us. There were letters written. There were letters written about you from the devil. Look what they did. Wicked and rebellious. But when Jesus died on the cross, he paid for our sins. And in doing so, he got the record, the letter written about us with the charges against us, and he nailed it to the cross. It's been destroyed. We have to live in the tension of being blessed and persecuted at the same time. And it's it's an important tension for us to manage. So it's, it's not going to be all persecution and it's not going to be all blessing. It's going to, it's going to be both. So you're going to be blessed. In fact, in Mark 10, 29 to 30, the Bible tells us that when we leave everything for God, that we will not fail to receive a hundredfold in this life with persecution. So there's a little bit of a caveat on the end. And I feel sometimes that we can, you know, so crave and want and desire the blessing, we forget that it also comes with a little caveat, that there's going to be some persecution attached to this. So I want to encourage you today, if you're experiencing persecution, if you feel like you're in that fire right now, understand Jesus told us it would happen. And you're going to get through. You're going to make it through. I've made it through every time. And you know what? It kind of shifts to the point where even when the persecution comes, it's there, but it's almost like water off a duck's back. During 2020, 2021, and 2022, uh, you know, look, everything was said about us. And at the time it felt so brutal, but now I'm like, well, well, it's all been said. Okay, so I can just go on and be me now. I can keep living my life. It's like we entered this this slipstream where you almost become untouchable. And it's it's not like the persecution disappears, but but you change. You become so incredibly resilient. It's like you're Clark Kent walking into the, the, the phone box and coming out as Superman or Superwoman. 
And those bullets that used to hurt you and pierce your skin bounce off your chest. It doesn't hurt me anymore because Jesus told me it would happen. And guess what? When it did, I survived. I made it. I'm still standing. And not only that, I feel fireproof. Are you understand what I'm saying? So persecution, yes, while it may come, will strengthen you if you let it. It will make you robust. 2020, more than any other season, most was a season where more pastors resigned than ever before, in, at least in my lifetime. They were dropping their flocks in, you know, unquantifiable numbers because they, they weren't prepared that the... I mean, we live in a blessed nation. America is a blessed nation. If you can't be a Christian here, you can't be a Christian anywhere. Try doing what we do in China or the Middle East. I mean, your life expectancy as a pastor has got to be one or two years in those nations. But, but over here, we have to have a little fight with the city council and we're crying ourselves to sleep every night. We, like God's made us of stronger stuff. When persecution comes, and it will, can you understand that God is with you? Ezra actually means, the translation is God helps. And what we see throughout this entire story is God helping. They face persecution, slander, intimidation, threats, misrepresentation. People said things about them that weren't true. People said things about them that were true that they didn't want to remember. But they, but that persecution, honestly, as we faced it, Pastor Jürgen and I, has only made us stronger. It's only made us more resilient. In the midst of it, we have seen God help and the Jesus on the inside of us stand up strong. Under this same point, I want to bring this thought. The Bible says of King David, in the springtime, when the kings went out to war, King David stayed in the palace. And sometimes through the weariness of the battle or even just a complacency, we can delegate to others what we should be doing ourselves. And can I say, as a senior pastor, when Jürgen and I do an inventory, we can tell when people have been doing your job for you when you should be doing it. Because you're anointed to do it. And when you, do, when you listen, I love assistance. Assistance are the greatest blessing, but they can also be the greatest curse if we give to them what we are called to carry. There are some things that Jürgen and I are called to carry alone. King David was meant to go out to battle. Instead, he sent his PA. Take one for the team, PA. Oh, I've got a person for that. I'm going to stay in the palace. Yeah, and guess what happened when he stayed in the palace? Hello. He's not walking in his assignment. He's become a little bit persecution adverse. He's sick of being on the front lines. Oh, heaven forfend. We're talking about an experienced warrior. King David took down Goliath. This is not a man who doesn't know how to fight. He'd maybe just become weary from the fighting and the persecution, and he wasn't where he should be at the time when he should have been there. Instead, he sent his PA. And as a result, he's not standing in his calling and assignment, and all of a sudden, sin looks very tempting because he'd let laziness, complacency, and maybe a little bit of weariness displace the call that God had put on his life, the the mantle that he alone was meant to carry. What has God called you to carry and are you carrying it? 
Now, we're all about delegation, but don't delegate the things that you're meant to do. Can I say to you specifically, you know, heads of entire departments and campus pastors, if you're seeing a compromise in the force, if you're seeing a compromise in the culture, if you're seeing things look to, uh, the way they shouldn't look, or perhaps the, ah, the worship's off, or the culture's off in kids' church, or this is happening over in youth, or, or the, like the preaching, or the, have you stayed in the palace when you should be out to war doing what you're called to do? Have you let the weariness of persecution put you in a place where you shouldn't be instead of standing in the place where God has anointed you to be? Amen, Leanne. That, that, was, that was good. Yeah. Mm. So every, so I, I've come to the point in my life where, where I expect walls. I do. I, I really do. I wish, I mean, it sounds negative, doesn't it? But it's not. It's, it's honest. Uh, it's realistic. I'm, I'm going to expect a level of warfare, a level of persecution, and some obstacles. So I expect a wall. But you know what I've learned how to pray? God, show me the door. In the words of President Donald Trump, there's always a beautiful door somewhere. And if there isn't a door, there's a crack. And where there's a crack, you can put your foot in it and create a door. Like, oh, God, if you can't show me the door, show me the crack. I was talking to Pastor Becky yesterday. I'm waiting for God to show me the thread. I know there's a thread. I can't see it now, but I know there's a thread that's going to lead me to the way through. So as leaders of, of your areas, whatever area you may, when you come against obstacles, do you just pass it to your upline or hand it to your downline? Or say, you know what, this is too difficult, I'm not going to do anything at all. Or do you ask God? Do, do you come to Yahweh, who is your help, and say, Yahweh, where, where is the crack? Where is the door? Where is the way through? There is, you know what I've realized? There is an answer to every problem. Fifteen years they sat. And they let the, the work grow stagnant. And cobwebs grew on the tools. And the workers put down their jackhammers and got fat and lazy and played Xbox in their mother's basements. It was a sad day for Israel because they let the persecution and the intimidation pull them out of the assignment that God had called them to. There is always a way through. And I, I want to prophesy right now over that Eastlake campus and I want to say there's a way through. There's a way through. That building... That, that has remained without work, without tool, without jackhammer, without... In Jesus' name we declare, Father, we thank you for the way through. We thank you for the crack in the wall. We thank you for the door that we may not be able to see. God, open the door. Show us the door. We thank you for Coronado. We thank you, God. You are showing us the door. You are showing us the crack. Father, there is always a way through. Maybe you're here today and you're in a department and you, you feel like you're up against a wall and the persecution is coming in the way that persecution comes. And the temptation for you has been like the, this group of people where you just want to put the tools down for 15 years. If that's your area, or maybe even in your life and you're feeling a little bit weary, stand to your feet. There's an anointing here today. God wants to show you the door. He wants to show you the way through. He wants to show you the crack. There's always a crack. There's always a way through. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. 
for every person standing. We declare there is a way through. God, you would open their eyes to see. Just like the scripture I started with, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Father, illuminate the door. Illuminate the crack. Bring the right person. Have the right conversation. In the name of Jesus, that they would not hear the voice of intimidation and persecution, that what would ring louder in their ears would be the voice of the Lord. There's always a way through. There's always a way through. Yahweh is your help. Yahweh is your help. Have you looked to Yahweh or have you looked to your own strength? When you look to your own strength, you'll always feel hopeless. But when you look to the Lord, you will see his hand outstretched, opening eyes to see the pathway through. Thank you, Father, for them. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 There's always a way through. (sighs) Yeah. All right. The third thought that I want to bring. What has God said and what is God saying? So this part of the story, so it's been 15 freaking years. They're fat, they're lazy. It kind of looks a little bit like Italy over there. If you've ever been to Italy, there's a whole lot of stuff of work that's been started but not finished. It's like, what's that? Oh, yes, they've been building that for 30 years. I'm like, 30 years? What in the world? Because they have too many lunch breaks. So, so 15 years, 15 years. And then all of a sudden, the prophet turns up. And it's amazing. I had to do a bit of research to work this out this morning. So Haggai and Zechariah turn up. And I'm like, all right, Haggai and Zechariah, because it actually doesn't tell us what the prophetic word is in the book of Ezra. It just says that the prophets turned up. So look at this, chapter 5, verse 1. Now Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the prophet, a descendant of Ido, prophesied to the Jews in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel who was over them. That's a word right there. The God of Israel is over you. Not the county, not the county supervisor, not the pen pushers down at the office who decide when and if we can get a permit. God is over it. I wonder how that's going to shift your dish. And then, um, so, so he, yeah, so he, they come and they prophesy. And this is what they prophesy. And I had to look this up in Haggai chapter number one, verse four. It says this. Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your panelled houses and this temple to lie in ruins? Consider your ways. This is Haggai 1 to 7, 1 7 now. Consider your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple that I might take pleasure in it and be glorified. So when the two prophets turned up to the, the people of Jerusalem, they'd, they'd been fat and lazy for 15 years. They'd, they'd let it grow idle, cobwebs everywhere. Yeah. All of a sudden, the prophet comes, up, comes in and says, you know, what you're doing is wrong. Is it right for you to take care of yourselves? Well, at least I'm okay. At least the church is still paying my salary. I don't have to worry. Oh, I know Pastor Jürgen's goodness. He's going to keep paying me come hell or high water because he's a good man. But, you know, we'll just, let, we'll just coast on the work. But then the prophet of the Lord turns up. And the prophet of the Lord says, Is it right for you to consider yourselves first 
to panel your houses, to take care of your homes, to put to do your uh, additions and renovations when my house lies in ruins. And this prophet tells them what time it is, and then all of a sudden we see them picking up their tools again. And they start to build the temple. I want to say to you today, what is God saying? What is God saying? What is God saying? And also, what has God said? So they already had a prophetic word from Jeremiah. Jeremiah prophesied before all of this that they were going to go back and they were going to rebuild the temple. So the final point, what has God said and what is he saying? When you find yourself at a stalemate where you feel like you're stuck and it's been 15 years and the tools have gone down and you don't know what to do and you can't see the crack in the wall, go back to what God has said and also what God is saying. God has spoken, and God is speaking. If I had to distill down, like if you forget everything else I said, and don't, but if you did, just this this last, this last point. When trouble comes, do you go to the world? Do you go to worry? Or do you go to the word? Persecution comes, trouble comes, calamity comes. You're going to face some stuff in your personal life and in the building of the church. Who are you going to go to? Go to the Word. Go to the Word. Every time in my life where I've felt the enemy come against and there's been persecution and I've been weary and I I felt life trying to lull me into some demonic sleep of just look after yourself and your own comfort. I've gone back to the word. God, what did you say? And also, what are you saying? Ezra means God helps. God helps. God hasn't left us alone in the building of his house. He doesn't leave us alone in the rebuilding of us, in the rebuilding of you. God is your helper. The Bible says he is a very present help in a time of trouble. But are you coming to him? Are you taking the time to hear from him? Because many of us will be confounded by the problem, so confounded by the problem that we don't go to God for the answer. And there's always an answer. In 30 years of being a minister, in 48 years of being a human, in 28 years of being a parent, heaven help us all, I have had to learn to go to the word in times of distress and trouble, in times where I feel like I don't have the answers, in times of persecution when it feels like the whole world is against you. So I want to encourage you today, especially in, in Boise right now, as you start to build, as the, word, the, the work begins in, in that city. Yeah, yeah. The Bible says, don't despise the day of small beginnings, for the Lord loves to see the work begin. And the work is beginning now. I, I want you to remember the points that I shared with you. Use, use discernment. Don't be suspicious. But we don't just work with the willing, we work with the worthy. Not, not everybody who comes saying, Lord, Lord, is for me. Not everybody who comes and wants to join forces and gives you their credentials on how epic they are is someone that you're called to build with. Every day, pray to God, Father, give me eyes to see. Give me discernment. Give me discernment. Give me wisdom. Then also expect persecution. But know that God will bring you through. And wherever there's a wall, there's always a door. And if there isn't a door, there's always a crack. And then finally... What has God said? 
The problem most of us run into is that we actually don't know what God has said. Do, do you read your Bible every day? Can I put that challenge out to, to leaders? It's, it's kind of sad, really. You know, some of the criticisms against us, not us as a church, but the church globally, is that a lot of pastors don't even know the Word of God. Don't, don't let that be us, especially those who stand on this platform and share anything from an announcement to an offering to a sermon. Do you know what you believe? Do you know what God has said? Because we're, we're speaking to a world full of people, people who, just like in the time of Jonah, don't know their right hand from their left, and they don't need your theories. They need God's Word. They, they need the Word of the Lord. They need the place where they can find atonement. And they, they need the place where they can find truth. They, they need the place where they can hear not just the ramblings of men, but, but the, the Word of God. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the Word of the Lord will stand forever. When things are withering and fading in your life, do you go to the Word? 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 Go to the Word. God has not stopped speaking, but sadly, too many of us have stopped listening for His voice. Stop listening for His voice. Stand to your feet. That'll do. Ah, good. Just lift your hands. I, I feel this is prophetic and, you know, I do, I, I feel like I am reading and learning this morning as, as you are. So I want you to take, I, I really think there is something prophetic on this book right now for our church. And I do, I feel that for Eastlake. So I, I, Marco, come out the front and Jesse, come out the front. I feel something there's been an opposition and a persecution and almost like a, like a spirit wanting that region to settle. And, and, it's, and it's demonic in its origin. It's not right that, that that venue has been without the sound of tools for as long as it has. And it's time for things to shift. You know the amazing thing about that story is they didn't wait on the word of the officials in order to pick up their tools again. They just got in there on the word of the Lord. When Zechariah and Haggai spoke, they went in and they started building again. And then the county officials came in and said, what the hell are you guys doing? They're like, you know what? They, and then, here's the amazing thing, God gave them an answer and they had a loophole and God showed them a contract. There was a contract back here written by King Artaxerxes that says we were allowed to do this and not only that, that you guys had to pay for it. And the most amazing things happen. So not only was the temple rebuilt, it was rebuilt at the cost of the city. And then after that, King Darius said, and not only, not only are we going to pay for the rebuilding of this temple, we're going to bring back the stolen artifacts and we're going to put them back in. And then we are going to forbid for the Jewish people, anyone who serves in the house of God to ever pay taxes. They're not going to, no. So, so it was such a divine reversal because, because they picked up their tools again. It's time to pick up your tools again. It's time to pick up your tools. You're, you're waiting on authorization from the wrong king. You're waiting on authorization from the wrong kings. It's time to pick up your tools again. East Lake, Coronado, every 
Every place where there has been a dormant, a delay, a, a languishing on the work of the Lord because of persecution, fatigue, the PTSD over the last three years. Wicked people who were sent saying, I'm here to help, but they weren't here to help. They were here to bring a delay. Father, give them eyes to see. As Pastor Marco and Pastor Jesse stand in proxy right now for this, 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 this region of Eastlake, we declare a shift. We declare a shift. God loves to see the work begin. No longer will my temple lie in ruins. How is it that you can renovate your own house, but my house lies in ruins, says the Lord. It's time to rise and build. It's time to rise and build. Don't look to the face or countenance of man. Look to the face of God. I will be your strength. I will be your help. I will show you the door. I will show you the crack. Not only that, divine favor will follow. Things that we thought and had budgeted to pay for, the city will say, we will pay for. God will send people. There will be reimbursements. There will be restitution for money's lost. Things that were stolen will be returned. Prophetically, I see it today. Things that were stolen, just like the artifacts were stolen from the temple in Jerusalem before it was destroyed the first time. Things were stolen at Eastlake Campus. Things were fraudulently taken and they will be restored, says the Lord. They will be restored. Don't just listen. Don't listen to, to the voice of the enemy and wait for the city to come with their stop, go sign. Listen to the voice of the Lord. What is God saying? Listen to the prophet of the Lord. Father, I thank you. I thank you for a shift in that area. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, 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 amen. Any other, is there any other areas where we have holdups? Because there's a beautiful prophetic anointing here. What else do we have a holdup in? Oh, well, come on up here. Come on up here, Pastor Lisa. She's going to be turning 40 on Friday. That's a special season. Yeah, that, and that's significant, Lisa. Not only for you, but significant for, for the church. That's, that's a significant time. There was 40 years that the Israelites wandered before they entered into the promised land. Father, right now we release. We release every 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 hold up, every obstacle, every wall, Father God, show us the door, show us the door in East County. Father, show us the crack in the door. Father, that your house would not lie in ruins, God, but the work would begin. Father, they would pick up their tools again. We prophesy and we declare over the El Cajon region, we declare revival, Father. And I even see Lisa with, with the rebuilding of the playground, the devil has stolen a lot of youth from that area through, through addiction, through dysfunction, through abuse. And the rebuilding of the playground or the building of the playground is literally going to be a prophetic picture of the restoration of what was stolen from so many people in that area. They couldn't laugh. They couldn't play. They had adult problems at the age of six because their parents were, were messed up. And I just see things are being restored. So it's actually that... That playground is going to be a monument. And the reason the devil has resisted it is because of exactly that. It's been resisted because what was attached to it was a prophetic outpouring 
of restoration and restitution in, in the lives of so many that the enemy has rubbed in that region because there weren't gatekeepers, but now there are gatekeepers. Now, in Pastor Michael and Lisa and the team, we have a Jeshua and we have a Zerubbabel. Thank you, Father God, that the work will begin. We bind the devil. We bind every spirit in Jesus' name, and we declare, Father, the door opens in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Vision builders, yes. Yes. Come on. Come forward, vision builders. Yes. Beautiful. You know, it's amazing. Pastor Jürgen and I paid off our vision builders yeah. today. I, gave, yeah. I put the, the check in Jesse's hand today for our vision builders. Yes, yes, yes. And this is the, the word of the Lord for our vision builders, the book of Ezra. So team, read Ezra because it was a bold prophet that said, I mean, you've got to be bold to turn up and go, you know what? You guys are selfish. I mean, I would have a problem saying that. I mean, I said it today, but normally, <laughs> like on a stage, it's amazing what you can say under the anointing. Like, wow, okay, so you're going to put on your extension, and you're going to finish your bathroom, and you're going to do this addition, and then not fulfill your vision builder's pledge. How, how do you feel? What, what are you doing? Oh, God, oh, 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 but, oh. Something's going to shift. There's going to be courage, not obnoxious. Not uh, dishonorable, but a courage that, like, we're not, we're not building a hotel. We're, we're building an altar. We're, we're building a place where men and women come and find atonement. We're, we're building a place where even the sparrow has found a home. We're, we're building a place where, where people are transformed in, in an era where they're all about trans, but not transformation. We're building a house of transformation. It, it's, not a, it, it's not a casual, it's a noble and it's a virtuous work. It's the work of the Lord. Father, I thank you that you have anointed your warriors. Father, in the name of Jesus, Father, I thank you right now. We release, be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. And you're going to bring the word of the Lord. The, word, the Lord has put a prophetic word in your mouth, Pastor John that you will share and when you share it will be the lights will come on just like it did after 15 years of laziness and weariness because of persecution and people will be convicted into their very souls and it won't be guilt it's going to be an anointing that comes that their eyes are opened and they will see this is a virtuous work at the end of the days I don't want my life to be to surmount to wood hay and stubble but I want I want treasure in heaven. I want to say I built something that had an eternal impact and an everlasting legacy. Father, I thank you that this vision builder is going to be like unlike any other. Uh, something is about to shift. We're about to step into our, our authority and, and the great revelation that the Lord has around what vision builders is. I, I see a sense of we're, we're graduating, like we've been obedient and we, we've started the work because that's what the Lord said to do, but there's going to be an understanding of the importance of why that fills our church. It's not just going to be, hey, I should do this because Pastor Jürgen says it and he's very convincing. It's going to be, this is the Lord's work. This is the work of the Lord and, and I would be in sin and I would be a fool to not partner with it. 
Something is about to shift. Something is about to shift. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen.